Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Unstoppable Leadership Podcast. This is session number three. We have guests with us, Tara McElin, and she is originally from Ireland, which I absolutely love. It is so green over there. And we're going to talk a little bit about today about leadership, how you started basically from a family business and decided to start your own coaching career. So I am going to let you introduce yourself, Kara, to our to our audience, and we're going to go from there. Thank you. So I started my business at 15 and I then went into my family business um, after university so they have hotels and elderly care homes so I worked in those for 10 years um, I did everything operations sales and marketing strategic planning culture um, all that goes with it and then in 2015 I got a scholarship to do an MBA in London so I thought, yes, I should probably take it. It was an amazing university. So I went back to London and I got to work in China and Africa and Iceland when I was there. And I came back from that with the idea of creating the first lifestyle care home in Ireland for elderly people. So that was very much on the basis of a quality of life. For example, in it, we would have a cinema and a pub, a hair salon, a spa, cafe a games room so it was really about you know their life and they would get a really fulfilled life um and the whole energy about the place we had kids in it um you would have come in from schools during the day so that was an amazing project but it was probably the hardest project i've ever done because you're not only opening a business and managing a team you're you know doing innovation and disrupting a market which is very very challenging um, at the same time as doing that, I was I trained professionally as a coach. And when I got the home up and running and, and very successful with the team, I then decided that I wanted to leave the family business and go out and work with really dynamic entrepreneurs who want to grow their business and want to do things differently and be innovative. Um, because I think... I know for myself, when you're trying to do that on your own, it is very difficult when you have a coach or a mentor, you know, guiding you and giving you advice along the way who's done it before. Um, you will get there a lot quicker. Um, so it's that very much, you know, dyna dynamic and, and certainly in the world right now, we need a lot of entrepreneurs to step up and tackle a lot of big challenges um, that the world is going to face. So, so that is... And I now I get to work with amazing leaders um, doing phenomenal things. Um, and next year, I'm hoping to bring a, a group of 20 of them together um, to do like a mastermind group um, as well. So that's my plan. That is awesome. And especially when you're talking about building from a business from ground floor up to leading a team. So talk to me about the challenges that you had not only were you disrupting a market, but you were also growing a team, being a leader for that team. Tell us about some of those challenges that you faced doing that. Yeah, there's huge uh, challenges. Um, the first thing you 
need to understand is you need to let people really see what your vision is. Like I would be a very visionary entrepreneur. You need to make it very clear to people what it's going to look like. So I would have taken teams of people to the UK to look at really high-end places or I would have you know, researched places in Australia or Dubai so they can get a sense of what this new place is going to look like. Um, that's the first part in terms of the building of it. But then you have to adapt that to the market you're in. Um, the staff piece is very difficult in that it has to be very well planned out. So, you know, things like some really good staff in an old building saying things like, oh, well, we're not going to be good enough to work on that new fancy building. You know, so reinforcing that they are going to be good enough and that there's going to be a lot of training and investment. Um, there's different roles and then there was different roles. So, you, you know, we had to try and figure out who were going to be the best people in these new roles. What new roles did we need to bring in? Um, we created two new industry roles, a lifestyle team and a business in the community team, which wouldn't be in nursing homes. So that was very much the lifestyle in the home. and then it was. A partnership with the community so we had this full-time person's job was to interact with the community and, and get people in you know having cinema days and whatnot um so yeah that was that was the hardest part and then the other challenge was you're trying to sell a vision to people you know the whole way along because it's not there um yeah so it's that's a very hard part that you have to you know keep trying to explain and, and some sometimes people can't see what what i see um so you have to go back and reinforce that over and over again to all your staff so talk a little bit about when you're talking about creating two new industry positions that normally would not be there talk a little bit about that talk about the little bit about the lifestyle position that you created in the community because I think that that's really important because that's something that you don't see here in the US at all. The lifestyle piece came from, well, I mean, the nursing home is still medical nursing home, so that's all still there. The lifestyle on top of it was, I always believed that people in a nursing home would could and should be doing a lot more. And if we could be doing a lot more with them, I, you know, I just had this, very simple formula if they're doing more and they're more engaged and they're socially active they'll feel better and that was like that's all I could say to the doctors I said I can't give you any medical evidence or and then the, so that that did work you know we had patients whose medication was reduced so we could see that that impacted it massively in terms of the community piece um it was very important for me I think society is getting damaged to a certain extent because of nursing homes um because there's a breakdown of parents don't want to take grandchildren into nursing homes because it's not the right environment and they don't get to see them as much so i wanted to create a, a place where children would love to come to so that's where the cinema idea came from um so it's like you know when you've more kids or you've animals or you've you know, that's what a house is about. If everyone goes to visit granny at her house. Um, so that was exactly what we were trying to create, that children would want to come. And I mean, we would have like the local schools 
get the cinema for the day and there's a fight in the schools of which, which class is going. Um, so that's been really great. And, and I suppose breaking down barriers as well, it's to let younger people see a nursing home can be like this and this is what it should be like. So that, that was important as well. And I think that you bring up a good point. When you're talking about breaking industry standards, you're bringing in not only the older generation, but you're bringing in the younger generation too as well. And you're letting them know that it doesn't have to be the perceived notion of going into a nursing home and seeing all of this weird stuff that you're not used to, to being able to have true interaction. And I think you're correct in that. I, the nursing home industry has really done a disservice to our generations. I remember growing up that you could spend time with grandma and grandpa. And most of the time, they passed away peacefully in their home. It was very later until that nursing homes really started becoming, and I hate to say it, but it's almost like this, almost like a dumping ground of, okay, we don't know how to deal with you, so we're going to put you in here. And a lot of these older generations are forgotten. And for you to be able to bring that together and bring it to where it's easier for the younger generation and the older generation to interact, I think is very important. And for you to have that vision to do that, I wanna say is kudos to you because there's not, many places that are doing that. So what is the next challenge that you see in your coaching career? Because you have already done the legwork, you've done the visionary work. What is the challenges as a coach that you're seeing with your clients to get them to understand that sometimes you gotta think a little bit more out of the box? Yes, one of the things that I would be, um, one of my specialisms would be innovation and creativity in terms of how you take something and and think of it differently. Um, I do think a lot of industries right now don't have the ability to do that because they've been doing the same thing the same way for so many years and they actually don't have that DNA in their business. So they need someone like me to come in and teach them how to do that. Um, you know, that entrepreneur, it's, it's that entrepreneurism that needs to be in every business, I believe, you know, and how you're, you know, there's a unique method that I've put together and I teach people how to ha have their organization always thinking differently, creatively, you know, how are we going to do new things? How are we going to make things better? Because that's, if you're in that mindset, you know, you'll always have a solution for something. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges of, organizations who don't think like that um, or don't know how to do it. So that's certainly something that I work with clients on to help them. Um, and, you know, then with leaders themselves, leaders are extremely lonely um, and they have no one, you know, entrepreneurs in particular, they have no one that they can be completely honest with. So, you know, I would have coaches myself and, and you tell them everything um, because if your work is not, your work and life impact each other, um, but it just you just get a real opportunity to have get real clarity on what you're looking for, whether it's in your life or in your business or both. Um, and when you've got clarity on that, then you can say, okay, 
this is where I'm going to get there. I need to do A, B, C, D, and E. And then the coaching, you know, we look at each one of the steps. Um, and that can be around, you know, just being yourself. Some leaders, you know, need to figure out who they are, how they lead best. Um, powerful mindset would be another one um, to be able to deal with the challenges and the voices and the inner critics that we all have. Um, courageous action. I mean, there's a lot of techniques I would use for that. Um, and and bringing a team along with you, particularly when you're, you know, driving innovation or doing things differently, you need to have the ability to bring a team along with you on that journey. Um, and there's skills in that as well that a lot of people don't have, um, and then they get frustrated. So it's it's how you map that out as well. And and some of my clients will pick one of one or two of those topics and go more deep into them. Some of them only want one. Some of them want more time with me and, and to do it, all of it. But, but that would be the main things I would do with them. So let's unpack courageous action a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And because I found that it was extremely interesting because one of the phrases that we use in my team is fierce conversation. And I have a feeling it's probably pretty close to that, but I want you to dive a little bit more into the courageous actions and how you would work with a client with that. Yeah, so, so when I look at courage and confidence, people say, oh, I need someone to help give me confidence. I don't believe someone can give you confidence because confidence for me comes from within and it comes from doing things over and over again. Um, but I, I think I can help give you courage to do it. So what I mean by that is I use the analogy, um, fear is like a fire. It's a great driver inside your body to fuel you on to do the next thing. But if it sparks out of the hearth and, you know, lights the carpet, it engulfs the room very quickly and you're not going anywhere. You know, so it's the balance of fear is a good thing, but we just need to learn how to manage it that it doesn't kill us in the living room. Um, the other thing I talk about in terms of courageous actions is, you know, I've always said two second rule for me. If someone asks you to do something, the answer is yes in two seconds. Because if you get to five seconds, the answer is now no, because you've now figured out all the reasons why you can't do it. So it's a bit like getting into the sea. I don't know if there's sea in, in America that's very cold. For me, the best way to do that is just run and jump into it. But if you walk into it and then walk out of it again and walk in, your upper body is still really hot and your lower body's freezing. And that pain in and out and in and out is actually, for me, more damaging than if you just jumped in straight away. Um, so there's, you know, there's techniques like that. Um, courageous action for each person is different. You know, it's understanding what, uh, how much of a risk limitation has each person. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I take risks. Um, I have friends who are accountants. They would be much less risk adverse. So their interpretation of a courageous action and mine would be very different 
Um, but that comes back to the piece around your team. You need to understand the people you have around you and how they feel about that to bring them along with you. Yes, I find that that is a really good analogy for jumping into the really cold water. I think the cloudless water that we have is probably on the west coast and it's up towards the Bering Strait. But you're right. If you don't jump in there all at one time, you're just going to keep giving yourself that leeway of going like, well, I put my foot in there. Now I'm going to put my legs in there. And you're right. It takes us so much longer. Why not just jump in there and just do it? That that's my analogy of working. I've worked in retail for over 18 years. Right. I've led multiple teams. So sometimes in the retail world, you literally just need to jump in there and do it. You're not going to have all the right answers all the time. So sometimes it's a learning curve, and you're just you're getting in there. You're doing it. You're leading your team. And you're right, innovation is at the core of leadership. There's so many different leadership models that uh, you have to give yourself, okay, what resonates with you? What resonates with your team? And I found it interesting that you brought up the life, personal life and work-life balance because a lot of people assume that your personal life needs to be totally away from your work life. And it really doesn't work that way because you're doing a detriment to yourself, to your team and to your family, because there's a lot of things that you can bring from your family to your work and it will actually work and vice versa. So go ahead. It's happening more and more now with people working from home. And I think they're really learning that. Um, I think if anything, this virus has taught anybody that things are different and you can succeed in these different times. It's just, are you willing to go for it? Are you willing to do it? I think we're going to see an explosion of entrepreneurs because of this, because they're going to realize that they do have that capability. And then they have coaches like you and I that they can lean on and we can lead them to that direction that they're really looking for. So in closing, is there another little piece of nugget that you would like to give us before we close out? Um, I suppose I just, I really hope that everyone gets the help they need. There's great entrepreneurs who are probably alone and don't know where to go or what to do. My my recommendation is to find a good coach. Um, and the, the emphasis is on a good coach, um, not just any coach. I certainly know in my career, you know, the successes I've had through my family business and, and opening that care home, it would never, ever have been possible without the coaches I had around me. Um, and they, yes, they just have your back and, and really support you and personally and professionally and, and accelerate you on to the next level and they help you see things that you won't have seen yourself um or opportunities and that sort of thing so that would that would definitely be my recommendation and those are really good points and i like how you said find a good coach because there are some out there that really aren't that good and it's not that they're not well-meaning it's just 
they don't have that experience yet. And sometimes that's where partnering with another coach is a really great idea. Um, I've had several and I've had some that weren't that great that really weren't listening to what my goals and where I was really wanting to go. <laughs> so that is extremely important. All right, Kara, we are going to wrap this up. Thank you for joining us. I know there is a huge time difference between here and Ireland. <laughs> so I appreciate it. If anyone wanted to get in touch with me, I mean, I can give you my email address. Yes. Um, is hello at caramacklin.com or I'm on LinkedIn as Cara Macklin. So I'm happy for anyone to reach out to me um, yes. if I could help. And I was fixing to say, I think I have your Facebook business page linked to as well, which I'll link down into the comments. Perfect. And like I always say, and how I love to sign off, even though that this is a leadership podcast, I am going to tell you anyway, you are loved and you are the beacon of hope. And I hope y'all have a good one.